Well, hello, hello. Welcome to TAO Intentions Podcast. Our guest this evening will introduce us to dance. Our guest this evening is Elvis Amisi, who will be discussing Kizomba, the dance, with us this evening. Hi, Elvis. Hi, how are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing well. Thank you so much. All right. So let's get started with this question. But first, Elvis will share his story and what he has learned on his journey. He will take this opportunity to talk about dance. So I hope that, you know, it gets you guys into the mood and wanting you to get up and shaking your bomb bomb. We all need to lose some weight. So we need to find creative ways to really start working out building our mental health, doing things that make us happy. So I just wanted this podcast episode to be something that's fun. We get to learn about Elvis and we also get to learn about this dance. So Elvis, tell me about yourself. Yeah, well, my name is Elvis, as you mentioned. Of course, the name, uh, my dad was a fan of uh, Elvis Presley. No word. I mean, you know, my middle name is actually Presley, funny enough. Really? Um, Yep. yep. I didn't actually know that. No one really does until I tell them because it's, I don't know, it's an interesting fact. Yes. Yeah, so I came from Congo. Uh, I was actually born and raised in Congo. Uh, that is at the center uh, in Africa. Democratic Republic of Congo, so that's the bigger one. And uh, we came here about, we came to Canada. Now I live in Ottawa, of course. Uh, we came here about 13 years ago. Uh, we met the entire family, of course. I was still young. And yeah, so since then, I've been here uh, learning the culture, immersing myself in the Canadian way and Canadian way of life and such. But yeah, that's about it. Wow, okay. I did not know that your father was that much in love with Elvis Presley. Oh yeah, he was. He was. <laughs> I was wondering why your name was Elvis. I was like, that's so different. I wonder, you know, where where he got the inspiration from. So it's nice to actually know that background about you. So yeah, Elvis Presley has been popular all over Africa as well. That's interesting really yeah okay i didn't know that i didn't know that i know a lot of people especially when i first came to canada i am in love with celine dion and yeah yeah, while i was in quebec everyone's like why would you listen to celine dion like i'm telling you the quebecois they just (laughs) don't like celine dion and it's very weird very very weird and even when i moved to ottawa they were like really Celine Dion. It was Shania Twain and Celine Dion. Like I literally grew up listening to them when I was living in Jamaica. So they were really shocked and surprised that we even listened to Canadian music down there. So I guess I feel like a Canadian listening to you tell me, you know, being born in in Congo, that you guys loved, were that generation loved listening to Elvis Presley and your father decided to name you Elvis Presley, or was it Preston? No, Elvis Presley. Um, wow. Elvis, yeah, my middle name, you know. <laughs> All right. So, have you been back to Congo, and what do you miss and love about your country? I have yet to be back in Congo, even for a visit. Um, my parents have been back a few times. I just haven't had the, I guess, the desire uh, to go back as much, uh, simply because. I don't know, it's been a while and most of my life now has been spent here, uh, so it's a little different. I don't have a specific nostalgia um, about my country. Uh, one thing I do miss, of course, my childhood, my entire childhood was there, so uh, you tend to have these memories, but they're memories of you as a kid, you know, so it's not, it's not the same in mm-hmm. a sense. Uh, and of course I have friends there that go back in Congo, that come back, that come from Congo that I meet here. 
and uh, when they tell me about my country, I, it's, it's interesting because it's completely different, you know, um, from what I remember at least. So yeah, so what do I miss about my country? I, I miss my childhood. I miss the idea of being outside the entire day and not necessarily uh, being stuck inside. Um, I miss the idea of, uh, we used to have our school time, our classes uh, school, well, at school, we used to end classes at like 12 p.m., you know? Oh, here, you lucky guys. Like, it was insane. Yeah, no, I never had that opportunity in my country. You guys are blessed. <laughs> <laughs> and then we used to also go to, to, to school on Saturdays as well. So I guess it's a trade, uh, but, uh, but no, that was good. That was good. That was really good. So you had a lot of time that you spent with, uh, with your friends and the people around you uh, rather than being inside uh, in school the entire, time, the entire day. Uh, so that was interesting. Um, but yeah, that's definitely something I miss a lot. Um, and that's completely different from what I see here when I, when I came in. Okay. So what yeah. school did you attend and what did you study here in Canada, of course? Okay, yeah. Uh, so I finished... So for most, for the most part, during my entire uh, session here in Canada, uh, my entire stay here in Canada is that uh, I did I did school in French. Uh, so I, I, in high school, I did I went to Franco Cité, and then once I finished Franco Cité, so university I went to Ottawa U, and I did that in French as well, and I studied political science and public administration. Okay. Um, so yeah, it's always been of interest to me, of course, uh, political science specifically. No, I, I don't blame you in that sense, because the reason why I say that is because I did um, public administration as a major in university, which I did not know that, you know, you were in my program at all until you just shared it right now. But you did all of it in French? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I did take a couple classes in English uh, just because uh, the French program, the, the French class was not being given at that time uh, for some of the classes, at least. You know, and, you know, some semester they offer them, some semester they don't. So, I think a couple of semesters I did, I did a class or two in uh, in English, but really all of it was in French. Ah, tu parles français. <laughs> Just un peu. I don't know if you did an entire class in French. Um, you're you're very much more advanced than I am. I just lived in Quebec for two years. I have the basic, basic line of French. So this podcast was never going to ever go French. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you still got time. You still got time to learn it and everything. I don't know. My issue is that I don't want to learn the Quebec French. Mm, yeah. I want to learn like the Parisian French from, from France. You know what I'm saying? I just... I yeah, but I just I just find it so sexy and romantic when the French in, in France, when they speak, it's just so nice. And then you come here and you listen to Quebecois. I'm telling you, the first time I came to Quebec, because I moved from Jamaica, and I came to Quebec, and I, spoke, I started meeting Quebecois, and I really did not like the language of French in Quebec. I didn't like it. I kept looking at people like, are is something wrong with you like why do you sound this way yeah so while i'm like learning french they would say stuff like quan and i'm like what does quan means why do you want to why do you want to sound like a duck why are you making duck noises so as i'm learning french being an english yeah. person i realize quan means like <laughs> means what yeah that's true and i'm I'm like, okay, but you can't say like pourquoi, like normal people. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then when they say we, they say wang, wang. And I'm like, 
what does way mean? Like, what what are you saying? But they're actually just saying, like, we. Exactly. We, je sais. And then, yeah. to this day, I still don't understand what bela means. Bella. That's <laughs> funny. Because they'll, they'll just always say something. They'll say a phrase en français, and then they'll allow it bella. And I'm like, what does that mean? What does it mean? I have no idea. Okay, so I'm not the only one. You're French and you don't even know what it means. I, 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 I use it at times, so I'm kind of guilty on this. But why? What, what, is, what is so attractive about Bela? It just means well. It's kind of like when you're talking and they're like, well, technically, it's like Bela. But I've never heard them say it. You know how in English you can say, well, such and such and such. They've always yeah. ended it after a sentence never before so it's kind of like saying such and such and such well uh, yeah it's a little a little strange <laughs> but i think it's kind of like a, language is always like that though you know i feel like i feel like some you know you go to america and in some areas people will say stuff like book it it's like okay what is book it mean you know or or stuff like like I say like a lot and you know some people just say like all the time it's like like this like what you know so, that's so, true a lot of people use like as a reference and I try really hard not to. I, I try really hard not to because the Kardashians ruined it for me. Because <laughs> every single time you watch one of their shows, which I've never really watched unless someone it pops up on YouTube and they say that it's great, the amount of yeah. likes you hear in one sentence just drives me up the wall. So <laughs> I try really hard to stay away from likes. So, next that question. What kind yeah. of career could could get that you could get with the bachelor degree that you studied in? Oh yeah. Yeah, so the bachelor degree that I took, as I mentioned before, that's political science and public uh, so what kind of career a person would normally get with that is of course you work uh, as a as a public servant uh, for the most part and the federal uh, in the federal uh, government. Uh, that's for the most part that's what you would get uh, for public administration and such. Um in regards to the of course, public administration is a broader, it's, it's a broad thing, meaning that you can work either in HR, you know, hiring people and things of that nature. Uh, you can work in, um, you know, assisting someone, uh, uh, I mean, assisting a director and things of that nature. So there's a lot of things you can do with it, uh, but anything really related to the federal government for the most part. Um, and then with the political science, uh, political science, I would assume um, most people go into political think tank, or some people tend to go work in politics, literally. Um, and then for the most most people that I know, uh, the political science tend to want to go into academia. Uh, so they will pursue their masters and things of that nature afterwards. Oh yeah. Okay. So there's how... a lot. There's a lot that can be done with it, I guess. That's very true. I didn't... I remember when I did a few classes in the beginning... It did say that you know you could even work in a hospital environment with public administration because it goes across the board crown yeah, corporation the, um, the federal government a provincial government so it does kind of cover a broad amount of services that is actually being offered here in Ottawa to to take public administration I think even with or political science as well I think even with I remember talking to an engineer a man who took his engineer degree a really long time ago and he's a bit of an old man and when I told him that I was taking public yep. administration he was like what why you want to be a paper pusher 
And I went, wow, so there's like the stigma towards public administration from the, the older folks. So I'm, I'm not really sure what public administration really meant back then. Um, yeah. But now I find that they've just kind of opened and broadened the spectrum of where you can go with this degree. Of course, because I mean, it is useful skills that can be used really in anything, I would assume. Mm-hmm. Uh, especially in anything public. I know that in the private sector, uh, they don't, I mean, it's still similar work, but I do know that uh, a little different uh, from the public sector versus the public sector. So the administration work that you may be doing in the public sector is a little different from what you may be doing in the in the private sector, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's, that would be the only thing that sometimes cannot be transferred. But the skills in itself, like the things you do, are similar, uh, I would say. Uh, the only difference is uh, the processes that you may take or the uh, procedures that you, you may have to go through because there's a lot more uh, procedures in the public sector rather than the, pub, uh, well, rather than the private one. But yeah, there's a lot that can be done with the public sector, in the public sector with the public administration. Yeah, for sure. So how was the job market once you graduated from university? Well, once I graduated from university, I took the first job that I really got. Um, a friend of mine, my cousin, was actually working at a, a communication company. It's basically, um, I guess it's a software and, and call center kind of mixture of the two, mm-hmm. uh, where they handle businesses for Bell and for Bell Alliance and things of that nature. Uh, so I just took the first job that I got, which was that. But didn't really, I never really looked into the public, uh, the public sector version. I went directly to the private. Uh, sector which oh yeah but the job market i hear is good uh, in terms of what you know what you can do in the public sector of course uh, i just that i didn't take that route um after i finished university okay so after finding your first job out of school did it meet your expectations working for this telecommunication call center kind of job it made my expectations it made my expectations uh, to be honest i didn't really have too much expectations for that one um it did so I would say at the end of the day, maybe it did meet my expectations. Um, it's a work environment um, that was serious, fast-paced. Um, you met a lot of people from a lot of different cultures, uh, so it was very diverse as well. Uh, extremely diverse, I would say. You met a lot of different people that just have extremely different backgrounds from you. Uh, you guys, of course, are doing the same similar job. Um, there was a lot of different departments as well, so you could move around e- easily enough as well. Um, so yeah, in that sense, yes, it did meet my expectations as to what a workplace looked like. And now, did it meet what I would have wanted for my career? Of course not, because like I said, I did take public administration for a reason, and the reason was to work in the public sector at the end of the day. Uh, so I was not doing the same work that I, I would have wanted uh, to be doing. Uh, but in terms of a workplace and a work situation, the work ground, yeah, it was good. Okay, well, the good news is not very many students actually leave university after spending how much money to get a university degree actually end up in their field right out of, off the bat. So, you know, as much as some people might feel embarrassed that they're not working in their field, I mean, some field prevents you from getting in just based on experience. And if you do have the experience and you have no education, they will block you just because you don't have the degree. So I sometimes wonder what society's plan is 
If you're encouraging high school students to go to university, to learn a career, they leave the the institution, they go looking for a job, and then the job ends up turning them away because they have no experience. And so I have noticed, you know, over the past few years, actually I'm yeah. going to say a couple of years, that they are introducing, you know, training programs and internships, as most companies should, for people that don't have the experience or maybe have some related experience to get into it. And then, you know, they can go from there learning how to do the job properly um, before becoming like senior employees in the companies. But I mean, a lot of students still leave university and is unable to find a job in their field. That's true, because the university, I mean, the universities do a good job uh, for the most part. Uh, but uh, I would say they don't they don't invest a lot in guiding people in terms of like which, where you can go with your career or like um, sometimes they do like job uh, career fair, uh, career fairs. Uh, sometimes they will do those type of stuff, job affairs, uh, job fairs and such. But uh, they don't like when you're taking the classes and things of that nature. They don't actively encourage or actively uh, encourage the students to go in, in, in a specific direction based off the, what they're doing at school or anything. That's for very the most true. Part, yeah, exactly. So for the most part, I just see people fighting for higher notes in the classes, you know, but that's about it. You don't really direct you in that, in that type of way. Yeah, I noticed that too. And even I think I went to a few of the job fairs around that time before I even finished school. And um, I also noticed that some of the the people that did spend the money to be at the job fair were not relevant to the field. So you're going up to how many different booths for jobs and it had nothing to do with what you're studying. Exactly. So I just, I feel like there, there has to be a better system. Yes, you're getting a lot of money from these companies to be a part of the job fair to recruit students after they graduated. But if the quality of jobs that are coming through the university job fair is not equivalent to the level of degrees that you're providing and education that you're providing, it just doesn't make any sense. Like, that's great that you have Enterprise Rent-A-Car there. I guess, you know, some art student can try to apply. Yeah. You know what I mean? So (laughs) I just never understood, you know, what their system was when it comes to bringing in certain companies to provide jobs to students who are leaving. But you do notice there's tons of credit cards all over the school, booths set up, telling you to apply for a credit card when you're in debt by how much (laughs) paying for school. Those are easily accessible, of course. They're very easily accessible. There's too many of them, too many of them, like a lot of them. Way too many. It's a little too much. It is too much. I mean, it's easier to get a credit card than a job these days. <laughs> what are some traditional dance that your culture participates in? Now we're going to get into dancing. Now we're going to get into dancing. Yeah, so traditional dances uh, that my culture participates in. Now, historically, uh, in Africa, Congo was actually kind of known for its uh, music and dance. Um, at least in Africa, we used to be kind of like the center of music and dance of Africa. 
back in the days. Today, of course, things have changed because I think Nigeria is kind of taking over that realm for the most part, or South Africa maybe. I'm not sure yet who. Oh, but, definitely. Uh, yeah, definitely, yeah. Uh, so, but, but back in the days, it definitely used to be Congo. And in terms of what we exported from uh, from Congo to actually the entire the rest of Africa was normally now people now call sukus. Uh, sukus is kind of like the type of music that's played with um, on a specific guitar. Um, it's really good, really good music, and uh, we tend to dance the dance. And people just call it these days at least they call the dance sukus, or some people call the dance at dombolo. Um, but yeah, so there's different names that people have given it these days. But I would say also, so that's like the main, like the national, let's say, dances. But when you do, when you get into the traditional aspects of it, or the traditional dances in my in my culture, there's actually way too many, too many, way too many, uh, different uh, tribes my country uh, so it's like for different tribes it means different cultures for the tribe uh, for a specific tribe and it means different dances as well for that specific tribe um now i grew up in the city so i didn't really grow up in a specific tribe or tribe or village with that tribe so i didn't really consume um, much of that culture or those dances mm-hmm. um yeah so what i consumed was the national stuff as known so basically like i mentioned before sukus and dombolo and things of that nature um but those are the dances i learned of growing up because those were like the national ones. Yeah. Again, that because I grew up in the city. But there's different tribes, and all tribes have their own types of dances and types of ways to celebrate their culture. Okay, I do see dance as very cultural. Um, even yeah. coming to Canada, it was very hard to explain and express, you know, Jamaica, because a lot of people here just kind of assume what they're seeing on YouTube or social media yeah. of like the crazy dancing that you know they see on television or on some of these platforms as that's how we all dance but it's it's just a culture you yeah. have the dance hall culture yeah and for the most part what's what's like exported from the country itself doesn't fully represent the country itself you know exactly so how, yeah what the people will see internationally will not necessarily be what's going on 100 percent in the country mm-hmm. but it will sometimes be like just what's flashy you know or what's more sexy and what's or, more shocking exactly what's more shocking yeah the shocking <laughs> part is the one that they'll that will do well internationally people will actually see and then people will associate that with your culture but then when you go into the culture itself you see there's actually one you'll see variety in terms of what you have and uh, two you'll see maybe that's not even the most popular one um that's not even the most representative one of the of the country itself or the culture itself it's just the most striking one you know so happens a lot yeah i noticed that i do so is this what sparked your interest and passion for dancing? Yeah, I would say so. I would definitely say so. I, like I can remember back when I was a kid, maybe I was four or five years old. Uh, we had, we always have these parties, of course, like Christmas and uh, family gatherings and things of that nature. And uh, we went to my, uh, we went to my auntie's place, and my cousin, who's who was a year or two older, actually he was two years older than me, so I looked up to him a lot. Because that was the only big brother I had, you know. Because I'm the first one in my family. Uh, I'm the first one in my family of five, you know. So uh, he was the big brother uh, on my end, and he was dancing in front of the adults and everything. You know, he was doing dancing schools, tambolo, things of that nature. And then I remember I I just wanted to copy the what, whatever he was doing. And so everything he was doing, I was trying to copy on the spot. I was trying, you know, I was trying to kind of get the attention as well, because well, you know I wanted him to see me and things of that nature. But Doing, and there's even a photo that I have that kind of uh, reminds me of that of that uh, 
of that memory. But yeah, uh, that's how I remember that I started like I started liking tennis because um, you know you're dancing with your brother or your cousin or your older cousin, and um, the adults are cheering you up and uh, they're you know they're embracing uh, this with you. Yeah, and then of course because of that you go to weddings and you guys are just doing this uh, throughout the weddings. You guys are dancing. Everybody's in a circle. Everybody's copying each other, and you guys are doing the same stuff. Uh, you know, you just you know kind of like follow. Follow the leader style, you know? So a person comes up, has a move, you guys do the same things, and then it continues, and it goes on and on. But yeah, that's how it kind of uh, influenced my passion for dance for the most part. That's beautiful. And how many years have you been a dance instructor? Uh, in general, uh, oh, a dance instructor. Okay, so that's, uh, that's a little different. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, so like I said, I was dancing with the family, and then when I came to Canada, when I actually, you know, when I started university, I started le- I started learning uh, salsa and bachata. Uh, those are Latin dances, and then uh, eventually I discovered kizomba, which is not Latin, which kizomba comes from Africa. So I thought it kind of, you know, I, got, I grew a little attached. <laughs> I, re- I related to it, you know, I related to Africa. I re- it was from Angola, so it's like just a country beside below my country. Mm-hmm. And uh, the music, or was some of the music at least I heard when I was a kid as well, so kind of, I kind of re- related to it a little more than I related to salsa or bachata. And then, uh, yeah, so I started dancing zomba about five years ago, and then three years ago, Actually, I would say officially, I would say two years ago, I started teaching the dance. Um, so yeah, so three to two years, I've been teaching Zumba. Okay. And would you consider dancing therapeutic? What are some of the benefits? Oh, dancing therapeutic. So that is a big discussion in our community, in our little dance community. Uh, because dance, at the end of the day, it is therapeutic, you know? Um, there's a friend of mine that actually wrote a book recently about dance specifically and uh, he mentioned the idea that at least that some um there's some medical i mean therapy that this is like actual therapy um there is some doc there are some doctors that actually use dance as therapy some it's a different type of dances that they use for that um but still dance they use dance as therapy they give people a subscription to do dances mm-hmm. or to take dance classes because of that because uh, it does help now, for me, if you ask if you ask me like a personal question about if is dance therapeutic and what are the benefits of dancing, I, and I would look to my journey itself, I would say a hundred percent therapeutic. You know, um, especially partner dancing, like the dances that I do, um, kizomba. Looking at kizomba specifically, you dance so close with someone else, like we're literally hugging. Okay, and you know, you you may already know the benefits of hugging a person and things of that nature. Now, imagine you hug a person or a few seconds, you get some benefits in terms of uh, serotonin and, uh, and all the good um, good hormones in your body. You get those benefits. Now imagine being in the health position for an entire song, you know, three minutes with a person. Or imagine, you know, the entire night uh, being in those position where you're just hugging people, you know. It is therapeutic, you know. It can make you cry at times, you know. You get a good song, you get with a person, you connect with a person, and I don't know, you just go in your own little world definitely therapeutic in that sense it's beautiful makes you forget your troubles yeah definitely makes you forget your troubles i don't know i don't know it makes you feel good about being a human at times <laughs> well that's pretty good <laughs> from what i saw it seems like a, a romantic and alluring dance does this dance represent your personality romantic romantic and alluring uh-huh. <laughs> very sensual yeah. <laughs> it is. i mean it is, it is. It does look uh, that way for the most part. It is very romantic. 
as you say, um, it's not very specific because it's so close. You're literally hugging body to body. You guys become kind of one in that sense. Um, so it is romantic. It is alluring. Does it represent my personality? I would say it doesn't really it doesn't really matter your personality when you come to that dance. Uh, sometimes what happens is that you kind of create this other persona of yourself um, when it comes to dance. You know, it's kind of like uh, you enter a new world. Therefore, you may become someone else uh, in that sense. As long as you let yourself go or you let yourself be open to the experience. That's how I feel about it, you know? So if, let's say, my personality is completely whack or, like, bad or however you can describe someone's personality, when it comes to dancing specifically and you get into the, you know, you get into the the zone of dance um, and you get into the community, you get into the obsession uh, of the dance itself, your personality becomes personalities that are portrayed in in that space, in the dance community. It doesn't necessarily reflect your other personality in real life. Uh, It just reflects what will be your personality in that dance community. Um, Now, am I romantic in real life? Maybe, maybe not. But when I'm dancing, I definitely am, you know? Uh, when I'm dancing, I try to fully connect with the person on a deeper level than I would normally connect with the person in real life. Um, but eventually after the dancing and, um, you know, you get immersed into this world, eventually some of it, some of the whatever you're learning in terms of your personality, eventually it kind of, it can leak and go into your actual personality in real life and it can kind of change you as a person in real life for the better for the most part. Okay. It did make a lot of sense. I do recall seeing some of those videos and I thought, I have never seen Elvis in this light before. Your eyes are closed, you're touching her lower back, and you guys are swaying to the music. And I went, damn, that is intimate. It is intimate. (laughs) So I've never seen you in that light at all. So what kind of music is played to, to dance to dance this dance? What kind of music is played to dance this dance? Um, of course, uh, because the dance is called Kizomba, the music is also called Kizomba. Mm-hmm. Now, in terms of the music, of course, we use the word Kizomba for the most part as a general uh, umbrella term. Um, I won't go into the explanation of what that means, but uh, there's a lot of different types of music that we can dance to Kizomba. Uh, that we don't necessarily call it kizomba in real that they're not necessarily kizomba but we can call it kizomba because we can dance kizomba to them mm-hmm. um it's a whole thing but i can show you an example actually of a song that's actually that we can call kizomba today okay and uh let me take a look here if i have a song for you but yeah so the song the dance uh, the music itself comes from angola as i mentioned the dance comes from angola as well so the music for the most part angolan and uh, it's mostly in uh, portuguese uh, because of course angola was colonized by portugal uh, so the music itself is usually portuguese now of course with time like i mentioned before we have we used uh, kizomba more as an as a umbrella term nowadays because we dance to different types of music um, you know, different types of music with the same dance. So now, of course, now what will happen is that sometimes you get songs that are in French, uh, you get songs that are in, um, uh, sometimes you get songs that are in English, uh, sometimes you get songs that are in other uh, Spanish sometimes. I've, I've heard a few Spanish Kizomba songs. So yeah, but for the most part, uh, it is from, Port, uh, from Angola, so the language is usually Portuguese. And I'm actually going to show you, I'm going to let you hear a song that's actually uh, in Portuguese, and that's actually from Angola, okay? Okay. Okay. <laughs> 
that? Yes, I did. It's a very happy, loving song. It sounds very affectionate. We don't hear a lot of those songs these days. It is affectionate. Uh, it's uh, by a guy named uh, Harrison uh, Pachau. Mm-hmm. And uh, he, 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 just, he did a song with one of my favorite artists. Uh, his name is Philo Dozua. And uh, basically, yeah, the song's a beautiful song. It's a romantic, one of those romantic songs. I, uh, I had asked uh, one of my friends who can speak Portuguese, what, what is the meaning of some words that they were saying? And for the most part, apparently the, the guy was telling, telling the girl, I'll show you how to live, you know? You know, give me a chance, let me show you the world, let me show you how to live. And I don't know, it was nice, cute, romantic. Yes, it was quite romantic. It sounds very freeing. So is this the, the career that you desire to be in? Uh, if it's the career that I desire to be in as a dance instructor, mm-hmm. um, I do like it. Uh, it is a beautiful career. I have friends that um, that this is their career. This is the way they do that make they make their living. Um, there is there can be some money in it as well. Uh, but for me personally, I don't. I haven't gotten to the point where I have decided that this will be um, my career for life. You know, or uh, what I want to do for the next five years, and this is it. You know, I haven't gotten to that point. Uh, personally, I do it because of a need that we have in our com- in Ottawa specifically. Uh, because we don't have as many teachers teaching this dance, and, okay. uh, and it's a dance that I want to, I kind of want people to know about. I want people to explore. I want people to, to see the value in it and to learn it. Um, also, because it's Africans, so I kind of want to push it as well. Uh, I like, like when anything African uh, becomes mainstream. I, I like the idea of doing that. Uh, so yeah, so I do want to teach it in that sense, but uh, more of, as a hobby, as uh, something that I do uh, based off the need that we have, but not something as a career just yet. Um, I mean, if the opportunity comes up, I wouldn't necessarily, I would not necessarily say no, but it's not something I am uh, pursuing uh, to become. Okay, so yeah. will you be considering, you know, going back to school then? And if you if you are, what would you want to do? Well, am I considering going back to school? I, uh, I, have, thought about, I have thought about going back to school, uh, but I do want to go, if I, if I go back to school, I only want to go back for, uh, for a specific master's degree that I want to pursue further. Uh, right now, I haven't, I, haven't, uh, I haven't seen that yet. I haven't seen a specific subject that I'm fully, fully interested in that I would want to pursue, other than that, of course. But uh, so right now, if I... I I don't have the desire to go back to school other than to do my master's uh, eventually. Okay. So what did you learn on your journey that you would carry with you for the rest of your life? From my dance journey? In general. What have I learned uh, in general um, that I think I will carry through the rest of my life? Um, Yeah, I mean, I mean... I'm only, I'm still young, but I've, I've lived life, I've lived life for a long time. Uh, so there are, there are a lot of lessons, of course, that I've learned in my life. Um, mainly, I think the one that I've, I personally consider as important uh, is uh, the idea that people are not bad. Uh, it's like, uh, there are people that think people are uh, naturally just bad in terms of uh, evil, you know? Yeah. But I've, I've seen that in life that people are actually good. Um, most pe- people have good intentions. And uh, for the most part, you can, re- you can rely, as a person at least, you can rely on people. Uh, you can rely on their support. Uh, you can ask for help. Um, and in that sometimes in life, we're not necessarily fighting the battle alone. 
especially now that I'm, like I said, now I'm, I'm in a dance community and the idea of community is so close to me now, at least nowadays, that I feel like anything in life like, is possible with the community. Um, and whenever you enter in a community, you, you find people that come from different backgrounds, come from different um, social, you know, social and economic classes, uh, different areas of life, uh, different age groups. Like in my in my dance community, we have people that are 60, we have people that are 70, and then we have people that are 18 or 19 or 30. Or it's like there's all these types of people that you meet and you develop connections with. You know, on the dance floor, sometimes I dance with someone who's like older than my grandmother, but I dance with them, and I don't know. There's this connection between us that's just deep, you know. Yeah. Um, I don't know. So I've learned that the idea of community, the idea of being around people that may not look like you, but you guys share this common goal, uh, goal is very powerful. Uh, just because of the idea of belonging, you know, you feel like you belong somewhere, um, and you feel like anything is possible at that time. You know, so that is something I will probably carry my entire life. Um, just to put myself in situations where I am in a community, and I feel like what we do is making it, making a change. Maybe not making a change in the general population, but making a change at least for each uh, one another, you know? Yes, I do completely understand that. And it's always refreshing to be in an atmosphere where you get to see the best in people. And it, we honestly, there's not enough opportunities where we get to see the best in people. So the fact mm-hmm. that you get to dance part-time with people of many different ages and experience the best version of themselves is amazing it's very positive extremely positive uh you know some people may say yeah it changed my life in a way, in a way. Uh, but yeah okay so how can people reach you or how can they book a dance lesson with you how can people reach me uh, for the most part i would say ig has become uh, the main way to reach people on uh, online so definitely my um my Instagram, which is uh, King at King uh, it's, uh, Yeah, so if ever people want to book a lesson in Ottawa, um, you can send me a, a text, a DM. Uh, what I normally do for the most part, like I said, I'm not the only teacher in Ottawa. There's about three, only three instructors uh, that I know. Either teach Kizomba or four. Uh, so I, you know, I can direct. I tend to direct people to other instructors if I don't have time or if I'm not available, you know, or if they look for specific things but if they want a class with me specifically I can also let them know uh, that's also a thing and I can also direct people to places where we dance Kizomba even in the COVID time you know of course respecting the law uh, but yeah, I can direct people to places uh, where they can dance Kizomba or Salsa if they want to or Bachata as well but I'm, 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 I'm kind of I'm involved in the community uh, that much so I tend to learn where things are happening and uh yeah okay well thank you so much for being a guest on this podcast today i really enjoyed the music i enjoy you know the history and just kind of feeling you know the happiness that you get from doing something like this um in this day and age so it's it it has been a pleasure to have you on the podcast episode oh believe me the pleasure is off mine for sure all right so elvis you have a great day well thank you you too okay thank you everyone for listening to today's podcast episode i hope you learned from our guests today and take what they have shared about their journey with you on yours visit our social media pages for updates on our guests per week and our guests in the youtube channel so follow our social media which are facebook 
at The Ambitious Obsession, Instagram and Twitter at The Ambitious Ops. You can find TAO Intentions Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. Follow and share your favorite podcast episode with your friends and family. I hope you have a splendid day.